Thank you very much. Looks like the, the uh, young adult praise team has doubled since I've been gone, so maybe I need to take more vacations. Uh, it's good to be back. As I said earlier at the welcome, we were on a vacation to see some of my family up in Montana and uh, stopped at Glacier Park and Yellow Park and or Yellowstone Park and got uh, too close to some bear again and some other wild animals from the Lord, but uh, fortunately God spared us, so we are happy to be back here again. Let's have a word of prayer. We can uh, begin our new sermon series through the book of Jonah. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we ask once again that you would continue to do what you do so well. You are the world's best multitasker with those who are online and those who are you know, watching online and those who are sitting here. And some people you know, need one thing, some people need another, but you, Lord, know just perfectly how to meet everybody's need. And we just ask that you would do that once again. Encourage us, inspire us, where appropriate, challenge us lovingly to just be a little bit more in you, Christ. Reveal yourself afresh again today. We ask it in your generous name. Amen. If you turn with me in your Bibles or smartphones or tablets, we're going to be reading from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Nineveh was a, a beautiful city on the banks of the Tigris River. It was the capital of Assyria. Uh, today, it's, uh, the, I think the city is Mosul uh, in Iraq. They used the river water from the Tigris. They used it to irrigate, so they had wonderful fruit trees and vegetables and uh, gardens and they, they flowers and they watered their area and they had plenty to drink for themselves and for their animals. A beautiful area kind of in the middle of a desert, hot most of the year. The winter would get in the 60s and then the spring and summer it would get hotter than here. It was kind of like a lush oasis. They were very educated, more than most countries. They had a library that had thousands of books in it, probably more books than where I grew up in the city I grew up in, or the, wasn't it much of a city, it was a little small town. But, and uh, so they were educated, they could read, they were really into art. Uh, just the king alone, as they looked through history and archaeology, just the king alone had over two miles. I can't imagine that. The king alone had over two miles in his uh, place where he lived of, of art, winged lions and all kinds of other things and, and uh, various other buildings had art depicting all the victories that they had as they would go to war. Uh, they were quite a, a growing city, over 120,000 population, strong economy. But what they were most known for, above all other things, Nineveh was known for their military ability. 
In fact, their name of their city was actually called, it was Nineveh, but their nickname was Blood City. They didn't just win. They were cruel. They were harsh. They were were devastating to their enemies. The king had a a variety of different things he would do as he was, uh, would would conquer people. He's very cruel and and, uh, would torture them. Sometimes if he would uh, conquer a community, he would take some of them and then he would hang them from flagpoles. But before he hung them from flagpoles, he had his military strip all their skin off, all their skin. And then they would hang them from the poles. Uh, So the birds would eat them slowly and torture them. And the sun would dry them out and they would die of starvation and uh, dehydration from lack of water. That's only one of the things he did. Other times what he would do is they would go into a community and they would kill some of the people, conquer them, and then take their leaders and then they'd make these lovely piles, say in the main road that went through town, he'd make these lovely piles as advertising before they had, you know, social media. And so he was really good at advertising and so he would cut off all the leaders' hands And he'd just make this lovely pile, this stack of hands. Or then over here, he'd make this a big stack of all their feet. Or sometimes when he really wanted to make a statement, he'd make a a big stack of all of their heads. Uh, Other times, the Nineveh leaders, when they conquered people, (laughs) when they wanted to be really festive and really go over the top, um, they would capture some of their leaders after they killed many of them, and then they'd stick them on a pole, like a shish kebab, you know, uh, go through the bottom up to the top, and they'd stick the people up on a pole, cover them in oil, and light them on fire so they could see. They didn't have electricity like we did. Nineveh was cruel. They tortured people. They were dominant. They didn't just want to win. They wanted you and any of the rare survivors and everybody else to know, do not mess with Nineveh. Strong, powerful, cruel, torturous. And and, and the unique God that Jonah worshipped and the unique God that you worship knows everything. He knows everything. He tells a prophet, Jonah 1, 1, 2, and 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity, saying, arise, why don't you go over to Nineveh, that great city, and call against it, for their evil has come up before me. But, but, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, went down inside of it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, of all the cities you'd want to avoid, I think most of us could agree, Nineveh would probably be on the top of that list or close to it of places you might want to avoid. And probably other people would even understand if you really didn't want to go to Nineveh. People would probably, yeah, 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 we get it. You know, we've heard the stories. Man, what happened to my uncle or my neighbor? Yeah, yeah. We understand if you don't want to go to Nineveh. But as you read the scriptures, and it pretty much doesn't matter what translation you have, 
King James, New King James, NIV, ESV, New American Standard. You pick your translation, the clear word. Nowhere does it say in the Bible that Noah ran away from Nineveh. The author, the Holy Spirit inspired the author twice in this verse, and he kept repeating throughout the whole book of of Jonah to remind the reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Nineveh is rough. But to be clear, in verse 3, Jonah rose up to run away, and he went to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went, to, went, to, uh, went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, went down inside of the boat, and he was going to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of Nineveh, away from the presence of the Lord. What caused a believer, let alone a prophet, what causes a believer to disobey God? When, when God tells somebody, hey, I want you to do X, Y, Z. And th- in this person, in this story, even a prophet, but even a believer, says, no, no, I think I'm going to do something else. Paraphrasing from page 266 from the book Prophets and Kings, the author wrote that Jonah took his focus off God he took his focus off God and instead focused on the people and the problems. That's a dangerous thing to do, to take your focus off God and instead focus on people and the problems. Jonah, he was quite confused. He thought, well, this is going to be an 800-mile journey. This is going to be difficult. They're going to be cruel. I'll be surrounded by non-believers. I won't even hardly gain anything from it. In fact, most people will think I'm bad for helping those people. He got discouraged. He got depressed. He actually got to the point where he thought, this is, this is a professed believer, leader, and in his case, he's a prophet, and he thought that God had made a mistake. Talk about a dark day to have a, a professed believer thinking the one true God who's perfect made a mistake in your life. That was Jonah. The human mind is a powerful, powerful tool. If we take our focus off God and focus on people and problems, whether the problems are real or we just imagine them in their mind, that's a dangerous place to go. That ultimately, we, we willingly, in that case, choose to make things Worse, and that's what Jonah did. Verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down inside to go with them, and away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon them, and it came upon the sea. And there was a mighty wind upon the sea, so that the ship was threatened to break up. And the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the boat, or lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down inside of the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to Jonah, 
what do you mean, you sleeper? What are you doing? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will give thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah thought that God had made a mistake. Jonah, the prophet of the, rem, the first remnant church, thought God had made a mistake in asking him to go to Nineveh. So Jonah, maybe he was a good American, we just didn't know it at the time. Jonah, like a good American, rolled up his sleeves and said, I've got a great plan. Since I don't like God's plan, I'll come up with my own plan because our plans are always better, right? Our plans are always so much better. God wanted me to go 800 miles. I'm going to go 3,200 miles. God was going to pay the way for me to go to Nineveh. I'm going to pay my own money, and I'm going to go to Tarshish, which was at that point the, the furthest known place in the world back then. Today we call it Spain. He thought God's plan was difficult. He picked a worse plan. He thought he'd be surrounded by too many non-believers. He was going to a place where there'd be more. He didn't think he'd get that big of a benefit from going to Nineveh, and he was going to go to a place where it'd be worse for him. He thought it'd be difficult telling God yes, and he forgot and he failed to realize when you tell God no, that, that is hazardous to the human brain to tell God no. <clears throat> a number of years ago, <clears throat> I was pastoring in Arkansas, and uh, their leadership is Arkansas and Louisiana put together. And uh, uh, someone had written a letter to the president of that conference um, confessing for some of the stuff they'd done years and years and years ago. And the president met with this person, talked to him, and gave him assurances and encouraged him. And it then ended by basically saying, is it okay if I share your letter with, uh, you know, anonymously, but share your letter with others to encourage them? And, and the older guy said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he published this letter uh, in the, the magazine that goes to all the Adventist members in, in all of Louisiana and Arkansas. <clears throat> and as a member, as a pastor, I got that magazine and I read it and I, I got this story from this. And so, this is what uh, somebody had, had written. Uh, quote, many years ago when I was a teenager, <clears throat> so those of you who were teenagers or those especially who are teenagers at the moment, uh, imagine if this was you. Many years ago when I was a teenager, a friend and I took two tires, I mean he stole them, stole two tires off a vehicle that belonged to the conference office. I mean, different people have different levels of mischief, but they're stealing two tires off the conference office vehicle. Another time, so he's a repeat offender, another time a friend and I stole the tent from the conference office. The vehicle was a 1926 Chevy sedan. Yes, a 1926 Chevy sedan. All these years later, I still feel guilty. I'm trying to get things straight in my life before time runs out. And he's not writing this because he's confused, thinking Jesus was coming. <clears throat> he's writing it because he's getting older and he's about to die. Now, this was a number of years ago, but basically, um, 
the, the, later, the letter came approximately 80 years, approximately 75, 80 years after he did that. He had this haunting his mind and giving him a, an unclean conscience and <clears throat> stress for all these years because he did the opposite thing what God said. God says, don't steal. And what did he say? I'm going to run away from God and steal from God's own church and God's own leadership. For 75, 80 years, <clears throat> his conscience was troubled because he did this. In Jonah, it's, it's quite similar. Jonah thought it would be less stressful if he did his plan. To go to Nineveh for a few days, share God's message. God can do anything. He conquered the country of Egypt's military with frogs and blood and crickets. And now here's someone from the remnant church and a prophet at that. Thought it would be better if he told God no. And God is a really good communicator. We all know that. And he told God no, thinking that would be better for him. Living with that stress when you tell God no is never a great way to go. Having that stress on your mind when you tell God no just eats at you and eats at you and eats at you. You can't drink enough alcohol to deal with it. You can't take enough drugs to deal with it. You can't take enough antidepressant drugs to deal with it. As Americans, we can't eat enough to deal with it. We can't watch enough television to deal with it. Social media, even if you stayed up really late and got up early, there's not enough social media to fill that problem. Gambling, pornography. I get the impression with Americans doing a lot of these things, I get the impression that a lot of people are like Jonah trying to run away from God and trying to fill that with something else. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Instead of running away from God and making our problems worse, God wants his people to, to come to God so God can use them and use us to be helping other hurting people. And sometimes God makes it so easy we don't even have to go anywhere. We just have to be willing. Like one time I was pastoring in a, in a different church. Um, this one lady, her name was Miriam, and she had an RV not one of the fancy ones. If you think of the fancy ones, then think of the total opposite. It was small, it was old, it was tired, it was broken, it was damaged. And uh, we didn't notice it at the time, partly busy and partly she, where she parked it uh, in our church. There was bigger churches in our community and much wealthier churches. Uh, and I'm not sure why she pulled in ours, other than maybe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But she pulled into our parking lot and kind of parked it 
behind, it was a smaller old one, and she parked it behind a bunch of trees, hoping she could kind of hide it there. And uh, anyway, uh, about two weeks had gone past, uh, maybe a little more, and uh, we started getting this really strong smell in the, in the church. And we're like, what is that? Anyway, finally, the people who, who their, their sinuses are working better uh, helped us investigate, and we followed the smell to the fridge. And we're like, whoa, <clears throat> open the fridge and everything. It wasn't working. Light didn't work, power was off, and oh, every, ooh. We filled like two of those big 55-gallon drum garbages full of everything in the fridge and freezer. Everything was rotten. Threw it all away. Well, this has never happened before. Why in the world would this happen? So we, um, we had people who were good at that kind of thing, like Randy and some, some others here. And so we, you know, they went back to the electrical panel, saw the breaker tripped, and we thought, well, why? I mean, we never had that before, so we went back to the fridge again, <clears throat> trying to figure out why. And, and someone discovered about near the same wall, but on the outside, someone had plugged in an extension cord. So then we just started to follow the extension cord and went out of the, uh, away from the church, through the, the grass, over the parking lot, behind the trees. And it's like, we've got someone in a trailer just like staying here. <clears throat> and we started piecing it together and knocked on it and no one was there at the moment. And <clears throat> anyways, we thought about it more. We kind of realized, oh, someone's been here for like over two weeks. We've just kind of missed it. <clears throat> anyway, Miriam finally showed back up. And, uh, and so we, by God's grace, decided not to do the American thing. And by God's grace, we decided to do the Christian thing. And so um, the American thing would be say, well, you are taking our power for several weeks. You ruined our food and you're, you know, you're loitering. And then when we finally talked to Miriam, she'd said, well, I'm just kind of here waiting for a tire to get fixed. Well, it doesn't take two and a half weeks to get a tire fixed. So then on top of everything else, she lied to us. It'd be very, very American to just say, get out of here and we're calling the cops. But by God's grace, we were thinking clearly and so we did the Christian thing. And and one of our members, uh, Felipe knows her, her name's Carmen and Carmen was, was growing in Jesus and Carmen said, well, I feel really bad. We don't have any RV hookups here so we can't get you water to your trailer. Would it be okay if I took your clothes and brought them home and I'll wash and dry your clothes? Because it wasn't just our fridge that was smelling, so was her RV and some of her clothes, and so we wanted to help. So Carmen took all of her clothes to her own house, to her own washer and dryer, and did her laundry. Another person said, oh, hey, I know a guy in town, he happened to be another Avenist who owned a tire shop. And, and so one of our members said, hey, I know a guy in town who owns a tire shop. Um, if, you're having, you know, if you're having some issues getting someone to do it for you, if you'll let us, we can get that tire for you like today. And then our treasurer, uh, Linda, the treasurer, got her a gift card like a quarter mile down the road was a, a big uh, grocery store and so she could get some food and we actually helped her instead of being mean to her. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, 
and call against it, for their evil has come up to me. Instead of running away from God and making our problems worse, God wants to use us, me, you, person next to you. God wants to use us to help the people around us. Sometimes, like Jonah, sometimes God wants to ask us to do really big things. It will test us and it'll grow us and it'll stretch us like it did Jonah to hang on to Jesus. But sometimes God asks us to do stuff like he asked Carmen, just little simple stuff to just wash someone's laundry or do dishes or hold the door open or say hello. My encouragement to you this summer is the next time you hear God say something to you, just say yes. It will be the healthiest thing you can do for your mind is to simply hear God and tell him yes.